Hey guys, welcome back to Partner Wad with Jess and Matt. And today for episode two, we thought we'd run you through a little podcast on fat loss. Jess and I have recently undergone our very own fat loss transformations. I spent a month abroad in Europe and came back a little bit out of shape, so I spent a month getting myself back into shape, and I think Jess has just finished up her eight weeks. Yeah, I think I just ate too much food over winter. <laughs> in, my, in my absence? <laughs> yep. Yeah, she was clearly eating herself to sleep in my absence, I reckon. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. None of us will ever know. Anyways, I think it's a massive misconception that personal trainers have this hidden formula to losing fat or gaining muscle. But the reality is we follow the exact same protocols that we put on you. We really do practice what we preach. So we thought today we'd outline some steps on how you can evolve or upgrade your fat loss, uh, I guess, process or start one if if you're new to the fitness game. On that note, let's discuss how to get started. I think it'd be good to start with the whole topic of goal setting. Definitely. In the current fitness landscape, there's heaps of these fitness-based challenges that go for about four weeks in duration, maybe a touch longer. I'm not sure what what you've seen, but usually they get like a bit of a competitive mindset going in. You've got four or six weeks, go and lose as much as you can. Winner gets a holiday or a car or money. Money. Whatever they're throwing out these days, sups, clothes, I don't really know. But if you're not going to go into a structure like that, you're kind of left to your own devices with goal setting. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a normal kind of thought to get lost or confused. Or not even set goals at all. Exactly right. Just hope for the best. Yeah. (laughs) Go and train and see what happens. But I think, in my opinion, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, I think the SMART principle is such an easy way to get going. Yeah, definitely. I think it covers all bases instead of someone just being like, hey, I want to lose weight, like get specific with it. What exactly do you want to achieve? Yeah, I think in my experience, the more dialed in a goal has been for myself, not only for my clients, but myself, the better the outcome has been. Yeah, for sure. I think the more detailed the goal, the more planning is needed. Yeah, definitely. So if you're not sure what the SMART goal setting principle is, okay, it's an acronym that stands for Specific, Measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed. Okay, so you simply want to plug in your goal, whether it's, in this case, transformation-based or even a performance goal under those headings. Yeah, definitely. And I think the kind of realistic and time-based part of that is the most important because obviously, yes, you want the goal to be realistic, but the time frame also needs to be realistic. I think years of television programming around weight loss, shows like The Biggest Loser, (laughs) have kind of created this effect that you can lose more weight in a short period of time. The biggest loser effect, we'll call it. Yep. People come to you and go, I've got 10 weeks to lose 10 kilograms. I've never seen anyone's weight loss go down a kilogram a week in a linear process. Consistently, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people think this is possible. Could the average weight loss per week for at least a female is half a kilogram, I would say, yeah. per week? and that's where you want it. Obviously, there are a lot of variables that can go into that. But I think setting a time frame that is probably more on the conservative side is probably key to the process. I think once you've gone through this and you've set your goal and your time frame, that allows you to set up your nutrition practices for said time frame. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think this is where understanding energy balance is really important and understanding how to go about these first steps. So if you don't know what energy balance is, it's a balance between the calories or food that we intake and the energy that we output through day-to-day living and just being alive, which is our basal metabolic rate, and also through exercise and non-intentional exercise as well. In the realm of fat loss, 
the energy balance needed is your food and drink intake should be less than the energy that you burn off during planned or non-planned activity. Also known as a calorie deficit. Calorie deficit. If you uh, follow James Smith on Instagram, as per our last podcast, you've probably heard <laughs> that a lot by now. I hope so. <laughs> yes, I hope so too. But I think there's a lot of confusion out there with intermittent fasting, keto, macros, calories, Atkins, 40-20. What in the world are these people doing? Like, no one knows what's best, what's worse. Essentially, all these things are, are a calorie deficit expressed in different ways. Yeah, and it really comes down to the individual, I guess, as to which works best for them. For some people, it can be kept quite simple, and for others, they prefer to have a specific diet type they are following, I guess. As a coach, I believe it's important to be open to different methods for a result, because whether your client prefers to fast between 12 and 1, or refers to not eat carbs, you have to be okay with that, because it's still going to get them to their end result. Yeah, and I think that's also where like consistency and sustainability comes into it. If it's something they can follow through with, so be it. I think at the end of the day, the best nutrition plan for that person is one that they can adhere and stick to. Yeah, hands down. The same way that if they are eating foods they don't like, it's going to last for a short period of time. Mm. And I think this is where calorie tracking has sometimes got a bad rap because a lot of the time... People are sitting on, you know, their 1,200 calories and wanting to eat somebody else's arm because it's not enough food to sustain themselves and typically leads to binge eating and makes it even harder to be sustainable in the long term. I know you and I have both had conversations with new clientele around nutrition and they go, okay, well, I've got my fitness power. Do you want me eating 1,200? Mm. And we usually stare at them with this really blank expression on their face going, actually, I probably want you something closer to probably 1,500. Yeah. And they go... Is that going to work? That immediate panic when you tell them, actually, eat some more food, and that immediate set of doubt creeps in. But at the end of the day, all they've been doing for the past how many weeks or months is eating 1,200 until about 6 p.m. and then demolishing a block of chocolate and going, oh, I just ate 1,200. This isn't working. Yeah. Or the Monday to Thursday approach with the Friday and the weekend going out the window. Yeah, the Monday to Friday games and then the (laughs) weekend treat yourself. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so I think – Finding a good calculator that will help you develop a starting point around your training regime is huge. Mm. Don't go for the cookie cutter nutrition plan being sold on Instagram by God knows who. Yeah, I think there's a time and place for some kind of nutrition programs in that sense for variety. If you can get some recipes from somewhere or some food inspiration, great, but only take it for that. Yeah, I think nutrition should be prescribed individually. Yeah, because there's no one size fits all, as you previously alluded to. Definitely not. I think James Smith has a really good calculator that is very simple. It gives you a calorie total around your job, your age, height, lifestyle, and also gives you a protein total as your only macro. I love that. It keeps it simple. You know, number one priority is calories, trying to hit that number, and number two is protein. And if you're hitting both of those, your carbs and your fats are going to come along with that. If you've got no idea what we're talking about, your macros. Simply are your carbohydrates, your fats, and your protein. Mm-hmm. Okay? The reason why protein is only listed on James Smith's is simply you need protein to maintain your muscle tissue. The more muscle tissue that you have, the more calories that you burn at rest. Yeah. It is as simple as that. Yep. So for some people, and I find for the majority of my clientele, they work in a calorie as opposed to a macro because it's a lot more simple to balance around their lives. Yeah, 100%. It's a lot 
it's straightforward. You know, this is the number we want to hit. Plan your day around it. If you're going out, plan your day around it. Whatever you feel like eating, plan your day around it. Also, protein makes you feel full. It's your recovery or your building macro. So once again, really important that you are keeping that high. But with the flexibility around your carbohydrates and your fats, then allows you to plan around those things as you previously discussed. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to your calorie tracking or your macronutrient tracking, obviously you need a tool to do this. What would you recommend, Matt, to track your calories? My fitness pal is usually my go-to, that barcode scanner is life. (laughs) We see eye to eye on this one. I love a barcode scanner. Yeah, it makes it so simple. And obviously we share our our meals via text as well. Yeah, sharing meals through text saves me so much time. If you've yeah, got like a, like a best friend or a girlfriend who tracks their food and eats the same things you do, sharing tracking will save you so much time. <laughs> hey, Matt, this is dinner. Send. Oh, so much easier. <laughs> so much easier. Simple. Especially after a, a long night on the floor, coming, coming home and having a text with the macros and calories <laughs> sorted is a godsend. So get yeah. on that if you're not already. Um, but yeah, my fitness pal is usually my go-to. Oh, but huge tip with my fitness pal. When you put in your details, it will give you like pre-entered um, numbers for your calorie goal and your macronutrient goals. Make sure, as we said earlier, use a calculator because I find, oh, I don't know if you agree, but I found that these numbers are very low. Oh, yeah. And I think my fitness power wants to be known as somewhere you go to get results. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, 1,200 calories will get you a result. Short term. Is it sustainable? Probably not. Yep. But it will get you a result. So people will think, okay, my fitness pal gave me 1,200. I followed it. I got a result. Yeah. And that's what I think. When I use my fitness pal, I got a result. Mm-hmm. But just be aware that you can eat more for the most part. The average female in my database will consume at least 1,400 to 1,500 in a deficit mm. with the right training. Yeah. But your calories and macros are adjustable, even on the free version. Yeah. Go in, use a calculator, find out – your split of macros or your calorie total, yeah, and then change it. Don't feel like just because the app gave you that initially that that's the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Dig deeper. Now, obviously, nutrition is going to play a large role in a fat loss journey and is going to be a large Correct. percentage of our result, but selecting a training plan that's going to work for you is going to be the next step. I think the same way that we said there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition, mm-hmm. it's exactly the same thing when it comes to training. Yeah, definitely. As we mentioned at the beginning, Jess and I have both recently been through an eight-week period of being in the calorie deficit. We sure have. Both achieving some pretty solid results, if I don't say so myself. But Jess, talk me through, what was your training plan looking like in that time? Um, I was trying to keep active every day. So if I wasn't doing weights training, which I was probably doing three to four days a week max, um, I was out for a three to five K walk. My goal was to be doing something active every day. Getting outdoors, obviously, that was an important element yes. to you. I find uh, being outdoors, like mental health-wise, is huge. Going for a walk, getting fresh air. Yeah, Jess is uh, definitely a water creature. She has to be by the water yes. at least once a week or she loses her mind. Or like five times a week. <laughs> <laughs> we do live by Cronulla, so be rude not to. Mm. But in comparison, my training plan was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or JITS. As I like to call it. No. Probably about three times a week. And then probably two days of some living weightlifting. Yeah. And then a day in the pool doing some swim work for my recovery. Mm. We both got results. Yeah. I swam, she walked. I did jiu-jitsu, she was lifting weights more. Yes, that will change from time to time. But as you can see, they both worked. So yeah. I think that both just proves that you have to have some 
some fun or an element of enjoyment. Enjoyment, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like just because you walk by the ocean doesn't have to walk by the ocean. Yeah. To get a result, in the same way that I chuck on a robe and go wrestle some dudes, doesn't mean you have to go <laughs> chuck on a robe and go wrestle some no, dudes. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so, you know what? Like you prefer your limbs intact. I, I respect that. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, but that definitely brings up an important point that fun needs to be an element of your training. You have to find what works for you. There are so many different styles of training out there that, you know, take your pick. When you were 12, 13, what was your main source of exercise? Sports. Sports. And everyone likes different sports. It's as simple as that. When you get Seriously. older, you replace sports with training. And then the variety in training is exactly that same concept. Mm. Just like soccer, I played AFL. She likes walking, I like jiu-jitsu. Matt likes running. I hate running. Exactly right. So <laughs> everyone's got their cup of tea. If you see a run, it's hilarious. I hate it. It's like being beyond ice. It's funny. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, have fun, guys. Have some fun, but still work in some weight training in some respect because muscle tissue is still really important to get a fatless result and to improve your metabolism moving forward, as yeah. you previously mentioned. Definitely want to have some weights training in there, probably at least two, if not three days a week. Yeah, I'd probably recommend that myself. Like as far as maintaining, if not gaining some muscle mass? I've since shifted to a three to four days per week weight training split. Yeah. I found my body feels its best mm, with that yeah. and that in there. Yeah. So if I was going to talk to you from a trainer-client level, I would recommend as much weight training as possible just to almost bulletproof the body a little bit. Yeah. But I guess that goes hand-in-hand with some mobility and flexibility work, which is also a factor you should consider when designing your own training plan, I guess. Yeah. I think when you go through social media or you go and trial a gym, it's very easy to be that fly on the wall and go, I want to go do that. Yeah. You see, if you're a male, you see guys throwing some heavy weights around or doing some fun gymnastics movements, and you all you're thinking is, I want to go and do that as soon as possible. But I think the majority of people in the current landscape of work sit behind a desk for days on end. Yeah. Some of them travel for days on end, and their body just doesn't move the way that it was designed to. Yeah. I think it's important to consider, okay, where is my mobility and flexibility at? And even rest and recovery comes into that as well. Rest and recovery. So there's so many variables that go into a training modality that you select for yourself. Yeah. And like we said, look, you've got some leeway. You've got everything from CrossFit to yoga to Pilates in the fitness game at the moment. I think it's important that you, at least you're not sure, ask someone on how you could potentially build that together. As a collective, we generally recommend two to three weight training days per week. Yep. With both flexibility work and mobility work intertwined. Definitely. Both an element of low-intensity and high-intensity cardio or conditioning, no yep. matter the ratios at the initial stage. I think at least one rest day. Yep. Do you have anything else to add there? I think I've, I've covered it all. No, that's about it. Like, I guess active recovery comes into play there as well, that you can do some kind of movement and stretching on a rest day. Yeah, you can work that into a rest day because it's um, a very – slight elevation of heart rate. It would get yeah. you know any maximal heart rate. or And will help with recovery anyway. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. I think uh, something Kevin touched on is just general movement. So our NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Nice. Fancy. Big words, okay. <laughs> um, essentially, this is just non-exercise movement. So trying to move as much as you can. The best way to track something like this is through activity trackers, tracking your steps, and just trying to be as active as possible. Yeah, everyone's got these watches these days from Garmin, Fitbit, 
wherever. Oh, yeah, and everyone's you know gets a little alert on their watch when they hit ten thousand steps. And I think these are massively useful for those who do sit down a lot for work. Yep. Get up in your lunch break and go walk for ten minutes. I don't know about you, but on my Apple Watch, I have a little move goal with like the average amount I should move each day. And if I haven't hit that little red bar, like I feel like I can't take my watch off and I can't go to bed yet and I need to keep moving. Oh, my Garmin just sort of vibrates when I hit 10,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So if you're someone who doesn't actually move a whole lot through the day, tracking your non-exercise activity or you need, as Jess just mentioned, is a massive way to help progress that result, especially if you aren't doing a lot of exercise throughout the week. If you're someone who can only do like a three-day-a-week training plan. Yeah, it all adds up. That's a lot of slight edit. Mm. Something I want to touch on is what can potentially derail fat loss progress or a fat loss program. Yep. Too many times I've seen clients who start really well. They have one or two really good weeks and then a certain moment happens and they just can't get their mojo back. Whether it's a social event, for example, a Christmas party is very popular at this time of year. Yeah, definitely. Or something emotionally happens, some sort of emotional eating comes into play. I feel like after these events, it basically triggers the Monday to Friday discipline, is yeah. what I like to call it. Where Very common. They are prepped, they are organized, Track. breakfast through <laughs> to dinner, even their little treats or desserts in their calories, and then as soon as Friday, 2 p.m. hits, I'm done. something goes down <laughs> in their head and they just turn everything upside down and they just, they just freestyle over the weekends. I think a lot of people feel like when they're that organized during the week, they've hit their goals so well, like, I've done this well, I don't need to worry about the weekend, thinking that that's enough to sustain a fat loss result when they don't realize how much they're actually undoing all their hard work during the week. So if you look back to when we were talking about energy balance, and in particular, fat loss, you need to be in a calorie deficit. Mm. Okay, If you can eat 1,700 calories a day to maintain your weight, and then you're eating 1,500 per day to lose weight or lose fat, you are creating a 200-calorie deficit per day. Yeah. All right? So just say that's you. You're in a 1,000-calorie deficit by Friday or by Saturday. Yeah. Okay, just say you don't track your food, you blow out, you whatever you want. It's pretty easy to eat back those calories that you've just – or the deficit that you've just created over the week. Yeah, that puts you back at maintenance, if not fat gain. And it can just be that vicious sort of feedback loop and you can't get back into it. So what I'd put out there even for someone who is kind of thinking, hey, you know what, that's something I do, track a weekend where you have no planning and aren't planning on sticking to your calorie goal. See what sort of damage you're actually doing. Because I know I've been quite eye-open to this, you know, something like, oh, I just had pizza for dinner, blow out by like a 1,000 calories that night. Well, I just and I both went out last weekend and I made the effort to actually track my drinks and yeah. track my food. And for the first time in a long time, I didn't plan my day beforehand. And no I kind of, whatsoever. yeah, I didn't <laughs> even think about it. Like I, okay, I kind of fucked up. I did, I fucked up. Anyways, <laughs> and I tracked it the next day and I was 1500 calories over my maintenance. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, in simple terms, made, made me gain weight that week. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's going to come off pretty quickly because of my training plan and my nutritional habits, but the fact of it is, I didn't plan, and that put me in the red. Yeah, and, and repeatedly, week after week, that could do some damage. And if you're not someone who has training and nutrition built into your lifestyle, you can see how three or four of those weeks in a row, and you could potentially be five kilograms heavier over the Christmas break or New Year's break, mm. for example, and then 
So scratching your head going, where did it all go wrong? Yeah. Well, because you could be thinking, hey, my Monday to Friday is perfect. How is this happening? Maybe, Jess, we should touch on some strategies for people in how they can balance their health and fitness goals and their social events. Definitely. I think the top two ways to go about this that I think are key are, one, obviously planning your day around a social event. So say you are going out for dinner. I would get out my, my fitness pal app. I would you know, have a look at the menu for where I'm going or approximately estimate what I'm going to be having, put it into my day, plan the rest of the day around it, depending on how much that's going to take up my day, whether that be a smaller breakfast, a smaller lunch. If I can fit it into that day, great. If I cannot, obviously you can look at your calories from a weekly view and on the app you can actually do this and see a graph of your week where you can factor in from the day before, the day after and balance it out. Yeah, for sure. I think if you are going out, to a restaurant that night, most places have their menus online. Probably it, like 99% yeah. of places. And if you're lucky, some of them actually have the calories written next to it. Yeah, or some of them are simple things to track. Yeah, exactly right. Too. Yeah, exactly right. So I think that's a definitely a huge, huge must if yeah. you want to balance your social life with your fat loss goals in particular. I think weekly view is a massive one. Like mm. You can simply look at your week, you know, seven days in a row and all – calorie tracking is and a fat loss result is math yeah so it's if math. you can just average it out to the goal it's supposed to be at by going under a couple of days if you've gone over a couple of days so be it and i think you can do this from a perspective of if you haven't planned as well for example like your last weekend exactly right on the flip side if a social event has been flung upon you i know those who work in the corporate world sometimes get these events with clients that get brought up to them at a meeting the morning off So having an understanding of how many calories can I eat to maintain and hitting that on those days is going to leave you in better stead than just blowing out completely and then starting tracking it on Monday, the whole offside on Monday mentality. So definitely. If you have a week of, say, you know, weight stayed the exact same and you maintained it versus putting on weight or undoing all this routine you've developed, obviously it's a no-brainer. Well, as we said before, like tracking calories is math. (laughs) And if you go Monday to Friday – in a calorie deficit, and then you go two days of maintenance, you're still in a calorie deficit throughout the week. Yeah, overall. And your fat loss should be thought of from seven days or way into weight. Another factor that can let people down is tracking inaccuracy. Yeah, for sure. So people can make all this effort to track their food and get on a calculator and work out what their protein total is and what their carb total is and what their freaking fiber intake is. But... At the end of the day, if you don't track correctly, you don't stay in deficit and then you're left disappointed asking what happened. Yeah, for sure. And I think like simple things like weighing out your food so you're actually entering an amount that you know is correct is a good first step. I think a lot of people like to eyeball or guess what they're having and would be pleasantly surprised if they actually weighed something out. I think people can read a food label and read a serving size and naturally assume that's how much they have. Mm, Definitely. I always sort of like look at a food level and go, people are going to eat that much? I always <laughs> eat like double or triple the serving size. Like, box. <laughs> so if you're someone who's like that and you don't weigh your food and that's what you're assuming, you could be having double the calories from that one cereal product alone, yeah. for example. I don't know about yourself, but I know a lot of the time when I've called out or questioned a client on, oh, did you really have this amount of this? They're like, oh, I just guessed. And I was like, do you actually understand how much this is? Like I've had someone say they had like a three kilo steak for dinner and I was like, you know what? I don't think you had that much. It's a lot of protein. Yeah. Or obviously the other side of that, like mm. I had three grams of something and it's like, 
I don't think you did. So weighing those things out, because obviously you can very easily get an understanding if this is approximately this, but you've got to weigh it out first to understand that. You can't just guess from the get-go. Yeah, I think like if you've tracked for a long period of time hmm. and you get an understanding about how much 100 grams of steak is, how much yeah. 100 grams of fruit is or whatever it may be, yep. then, yeah, there might be times where you can kind of make an approximation on, okay, that's how much that, that will weigh. Yep. But if you've never done it, I would highly recommend buying a scale. They're really oh, cheap. Came up and just weigh your food. <laughs> yeah. And then once you made it once, you're then going to have an idea of how much you can then have if you go out, for example. Yeah, that's very true. It helps you approximate for other places where you can't weigh things. Yeah. Exactly right. I think another factor of tracking inaccuracies is forgetting to track little things like oil or drinks, alcohol, those sort of things, because obviously they all add up too. Well, that's a, that's a whole new kettle of fish. Even talking about alcohol alone, like alcohol they consider the fourth unofficial macro mm-hmm. because it provides seven calories per gram. In comparison, a gram of fat is nine calories. Yeah, a gram of carbohydrate and protein is four. But the difference is alcohol offers you no value. Mm-hmm. So if you're not tracking calories from alcohol, you'd be surprised how quickly that can add up my total from last weekend included. Oh, Yeah. Like, literally, one drink can be the equivalent of a whole meal. I was so Sad devastated. I was so <laughs> devastated. Yeah. I put a couple of drinks and, look, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to go out and you're going to have these things. It's important you understand that they can be detrimental to your result. Yeah. And either factoring them in or understanding how to have lower calorie options is huge when you're on a fat loss journey. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think another thing is people who don't track their drinks – if you're someone who is, I'm not talking alcohol anymore, I'm talking like coffee or soft drink. Yeah. Like coffee in particular, like I love coffee. Absolutely love coffee. I'm more. And <laughs> I've had to sort of start bringing in like some just black coffee to avoid the calories creeping up from too many almond caps. Yes, yeah, I drink almond milk, I know. Um, the best. Yeah, we're, we're those people. <laughs> we drink almond milk and our coffee. Um, yeah, those things can creep up the same way mm. oils can. Yeah, I've actually spoken to many clients about this. When it comes to oils, like it also depends on what you're using to cook, how much, you know. Like if you're using a spray oil, it's going to be very minimal calories that are contributing. Whereas if you are like deep frying something or you're cooking it in a whole layer of oil, obviously that's going to add up very quickly. And if you actually track oil, it's something that has a very high energy content and will add up very quickly. One of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to derailing your fat loss result is actually achieving the result and not doing anything after you're done. The complete failure to reverse diet or maintain. And I think that comes to an educational understanding level as well, like not knowing where to go afterwards. You achieve your result, great, undone. Yeah, which is why in step one we always said establish an understanding of energy balance, calorie intake, and how much can you consume to lose, maintain, and gain. Yeah. That skill will take you so far. Mm. And I think it's important to understand, and we will do a podcast to follow up on this, yeah, but sure. how to get back to maintenance, how to reverse diets, setting follow-up goals, all those sort of things to further your progress and not end at the end of the fat loss journey. I think in terms of like the whole mental side of fat loss, and that's not really a side that we've touched on because eating a deficit will fuck with your head. Yeah, it's hard. You get a bit hungry, you go a bit stir crazy in those first couple of weeks. But reintroducing calories in the right way will not only make you look better as you start putting weight and muscle back on, mm. okay, but also help you with the mental game of starting to eat more food again. 
Well, that's exactly where I'm at in my journey right now. I'm three weeks now into reverse dieting back to maintenance. As of this week, I'm eating my maintenance calories. So I spent the last three weeks slowly building that back up, feeling great, adding more food in, more variety in, and I'm going to continue to increase until I start to gain some body fat. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that from both ends. I've done two fitness modeling shows or yep. fitness bodybuilding shows. The first time, I had a strict four-week reverse diet back up. Yep. Okay. The second time, I had a little uh, treat hamper waiting for me at home. <laughs> I demolished all that in about a day. My whole idea of reverse dieting out the window. I looked terrible a month later. My body fat crept up really quickly. My muscle mass wasn't that great after that. So it definitely works when done well. Yeah. Does it take discipline? Yes. And I think it's understanding that, you know, say it's a six-week, and eight-week journey that you're planning on doing, that it doesn't end there. That six to eight weeks looks more like 10 to 12 weeks because you need to understand how to come out of a fat loss journey, as we just said. Well, I think if you look back all the way to setting a SMART goal, yep. is that when you say you want to lose, say, five kilograms of fat, that that could be a 10-week process to get you back to a maintenance level with good habits. Yeah, 100%. Because relapse could be easily a part of the process. Yeah. Relapse could bring you right back to the beginning. Or worse. Or worse. <laughs> and our final point is how you measure your progress. Measuring your progress simply from a scale weight could be another way that you can derail your fat loss progress. Yeah. If you're relying on a weight on a scale to tell you how you feel, that could be an issue because all it does is weigh against gravity. Oh, and also you don't exactly know where that weight is coming from. Weight can be anything from fat mass, water, muscle, etc. I think over the past sort of like five to ten years, these scans have started coming into the fitness industry. So uh, what are they called? DEXA scans. Yep. And they were kind of the first technologies that distinguished your muscle tissue yep. from your body fat and actually showed you over a period of time is, is your body composition improving, yep. staying the same, or getting worse? Mm. I think that has been a massive inclusion. People are actually getting a lot more of a healthy relationship with their weight that's not dictated by a BMI, for example. Yeah, yeah. And I think another underrated tool is also taking progress photos. Being able to visually see your progress and where you were changing is huge. I think that's something that you and I both did really well. We're taking weekly photos, and especially when you begin, that's where you see the most changes. Those first four weeks, Mm. you see massive body shape changes. And for some people, that can reflect on a scale. Yeah. And for some, it won't. So it's good to have um, photos, a measurement, if that's what you're into. Yeah. Um, but definitely take photos would be my go-to. Well, I know even like with my fat loss journey I just finished, I was saying to you, oh, I really don't want to take my last photos. I don't think there's any change. I took them and was shocked myself. And when I hopped on the scales, I was only half a kilo difference. But when you look at the photos, like I had a huge difference in body composition. I think for me, like you see yourself every day. Yeah. So when you look at yourself every day, you probably don't notice these little subtleties. No. Okay, unless you're really paying attention. People yeah. around you might and they might say things. Yeah, but, but you yet again, won't see it yourself. You're going to be skeptical from the get-go. So having those photos there really are important. so helpful, especially for motivation, mm. just to get you to keep going. Like we said, you can hit those moments where oh, maybe you don't have a great weekend and you sort of feel a bit guilty and yeah. you're not sure if you can if you can do it. And you see that photo and you go, you know what, I've still made progress this week. Let's go again. Yeah, definitely. I think that's super important. Yeah, for sure. If you would like any more information or tips on how to start a fat loss journey or just exercise and nutrition in general, make sure to follow our Instagram pages. Mine is at healthwithinreach. And Matt's is? Matt G underscore lean performance or lowercase. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's been our longest podcast to date. It has. Stay tuned for future episodes. See you guys. Bye.